0: Welcome to episode 113 of the Pod class. We are streaming live from Dr. Henry Armitage Memorial High School AV room. And my name is Tyler Unsel, and I run Signal Horizon, a magazine dedicated to exploring genre fiction in and out of the classroom.
1: I'm Oren Gray, Monster Ambassador here at Signal Horizon, and I feel very professional now that we had that cool countdown. I know, right? Fancy, yeah. (laughs) Right until I opened my mouth. Um. (laughs) We we are
0: super legit because we have a countdown
1: That's all it it takes. It had music and everything. It was real (laughs) I know. Uh,
0: I wish I had any idea how I did that, but I don't (laughs) know. So, tonight on the Horror Podcast, we are going to spend some time talking about what we've been watching and reading. Uh, we're going to help you find some free content on the internet. And finally, we're going to spend the remainder of the episode with our special guest, Jeff Brown, discussing the deeply weird and equally problematic film Shivers. We have a new segment also to offer up this year. We've curated some important pieces of horror news of this two-week period, and we're going to discuss those live pressing issues uh here on the episode to help keep you better informed of what's going on. Uh initially, my lead-in question here, Oren, was so what have you been watching and reading and you know doing uh the last couple weeks? But uh I bet I know.
1: Yeah, hiding, how- hiding. <laughs> Um, yeah, just like, I mean, I've watched some stuff, but it's been kind of background stuff. Like, it's, my brain will barely grasp it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. um, I I did watch um, this, like, Korean movie called Suddenly in the Dark from 1981, which was pretty good. It's more like a domestic thriller than a horror movie until, like, the last 10 minutes, but, um, it's kind of shot like a Jalo, so that makes it feel more like a horror movie. So, okay,
0: yeah. all right, I'm, I'm it's, cool it's, with that. It's, it's
1: fun. You can get it from like Mondo Macabro or macabra or whatever the Blu-ray label. That oh, does. okay. Like they, so like they do a lot, they do a lot like foreign and exploitation of Mondo films and stuff.
0: I love that. uh So you you watch it on uh Blu-ray yeah. DVD. Yep. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I might remind the audience here, if you want to participate in our conversation at any point in time, feel free to comment on whatever streaming service that you are using to uh, watch our live stream here. And uh, if it's comment that works out and we see it in time, we'll flash it up here on the screen. And it's like you're right here with Oren and I having this conversation. Just so, like that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, unless you don't want to be, and then I don't blame you. But <laughs> yeah, uh, buddy, I'm... The last two days have been really tough. We are uh, recording this on uh, January 7th, which is almost 24 hours after uh, what I would call the, um, the coup, uh, you know, the, the coup that we've had. Uh, yeah,
1: the world's uh, shittiest coup attempt. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like research uh, insurgents. I, I've heard it called lots of things. Um, none of them exactly capturing what I think is the importance of the event or whatever. So my, my first thing I will tell uh, everyone in the audience is it it is okay to not do anything, <laughs> you know, like I have been paralyzed by watching the news and watching everything that is going on. But uh, before all of that shit went down, I was able to catch uh, some interesting stuff. Uh, first off the new flick uh, shadow in the cloud, which is, um, the, the new Chloe Grace Moritz film. I think I mentioned it in the last episode, but I, you know, I wanted to give it another shout out because uh, I, I rewatched it again. And other than some kind of shoddy CGI, it's really fun and entertaining. And I think you can find it uh, all now on BOD. And I think it's worth it to check out a movie that does not take itself too seriously and uh, shows Chloe Grace Moritz, and I think a different light. Yeah, Like it's, it's a very maternal story, you know?
1: I really want to see it. It looks, I mean, it really doesn't look, I haven't looked at anything. It sounds great from what you've said.
0: It's got Um, gremlins. Yeah. It's
1: all I needed for something to sound great. Honestly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I did look at the poster where there's like this one little tiny hand reaching around the like plane engine or something. It's real good.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of that. And that's why I think it's, it's kind of playful and, uh, Uh, The second time through, I was like, okay, I see that. Um, So now if I could describe to you a movie that is the opposite of playful and fun, (laughs) it would be uh, a new Cronenberg flick, uh, a different Cronenberg too, uh, Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor, which I caught maybe four or five days ago. And I was fully prepared to hate this film. I was fully prepared to hate it. Because it sounded super serious, um, it sounded very mean uh, and gory, and I don't necessarily mind gore, but there is a subsegment of the the horror world um, that really gets into that, and that is not my particular subsegment. Yeah. I don't mind it, but I don't search it out. But I checked it out, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the performances. I kind of dug the story. It, uh, I think, it has a lot of. Like kinship maybe with um, oh I'm blanking on the title right now but you'll remember it is the like virtual reality it's got uh, it does have some existent stuff to it and I like mm-hmm. that but the first one that came to my mind was it's Ray Fiennes during the end of the millennium they wear the weird cagey thing on their head it'll come to be later when I'm not or maybe somebody in. Uh, um, it's
1: not Strange Days, is it? That's it. That's okay. it. Ding, okay. ding, okay. ding. Yeah, yeah. It's got I a Strange
0: was, Days vibe to it. I have not
1: seen that since, like, theaters. So it's been a minute.
0: I really dug it. It's been a yeah. while since I saw it, too. But um, um, you can see that Brandon is very, very influenced by his father in this film, too. There's a lot of weird ooey gooeyness and, like, pseudoscience that uh, – I don't know. I like, I would recommend the film.
1: I mean, I've, I'm, I'm like the last person to not have seen it. Like everybody I know has seen it and everyone has loved it. So I mean, I've heard it's really great.
0: Yeah. Um. I would stop short on saying I loved it or that it was really great, but it was good. And I'm, I, you know, <laughs> we have talked off mic before about some other movies that have received high praise that were not our bag. And I would not classify this not as my bag. I would just say, yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, you know, yeah, like, but we're probably going to talk about this more when we get into the movie we're talking about tonight, but, like, Cronenberg is really good. Like, D- David Cronenberg is really yeah. good. His, his movies are pretty much always good, but they're also pretty much always not my bag. Like, his best movie is not, like, its overlap of my interests is less than it is for a lot of other people. Like, yeah, 100%. Um, so yeah,
0: I, I think that is, uh, that captures this movie, movie pretty well.
1: So that's, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of that, like the, the flux capacitor is not, you know, like, it's like, okay, all right. We don't, (laughs) you don't need to add those words, (laughs) you know, like just we'll, we'll go with you, Brandon. We'll go with you. So A new element that we have added uh, for this year is going to be uh, our discussion of the news. And first and foremost, our discussion of the news comes with uh, this new trailer that was sent out just a few days ago from CineState. And here it is, everybody.
2: In between breath. breath, take a shot.
1: You're doing really good out there, kid. Size of that deer—we're going to be eating venison all summer.
2: On a day's work. I think we need to see somebody again. And by we, you mean me? No, I mean us. Hey, that look in your eye—guys in my unit had that look. Maybe there's there. a brochure you can hand me so I can go.
3: Is that Chris Jellick over there?
2: Is he doing something completely
0: weird? Senior prank day. But we'll see all kinds of dumb stuff today. Swim captain will have Thai food
1: delivered to class, and Becky Vaughn will set up her homemade slip and slide. This is
0: high school. Nothing that happens here matters in the real world.
3: Okay, we are in charge now, so please pull out whichever app you use to do live streaming video. Get them up and running and point it at me. Now!
2: Get down on the ground! Any more friends back there? I'm calling 911. Get back to your homeroom and stay put until the- 911,
3: what's your emergency? You must be close.
1: be
2: a very disturbing news out of vernon central high school zoe in between breath take a shot
0: is it safe to say that this might be our guardian angel
3: Do you want more people to die? That's the last thing I want. I'm going to kill one person in this room every five minutes. You don't show your face.
0: Isn't it, Elon? After all your hard work, people aren't going to remember
3: you. They're
2: gonna remember
3: me,
0: okay. Can I, can I tell you, um, in about a thousand different ways, my issues with this movie? <laughs> uh, first off, it was built as Die Hard Meets School Shooting,
1: it, which I mean, it's accurate to the trailer, anyway. Like, yeah, that's, that's certainly the plot of the trailer.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, but do we need that? No. You know, like, a- and is it appropriate? I will tell you also the title is Run, Hide, Fight. And that is literally the title of the video that we get at the beginning of every year that discusses school shootings. And it's this kind of infomercially thing. But like, this is a very real thing that a lot of us teachers deal with on a regular basis. So it seems super trivializing to be like, here's this awesome action movie. We shot about it.
1: Right. And like, it's one of those things where like, I mean, I don't want to be one of these people who's like, you know, ah, movies have responsibility to blah, 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 whatever. But this isn't like a situation like Die Hard that no one's ever going to get into. Right? Like, this is a situation people do get into. So showing people being awesome, doing impossible things, doing that, that's not great. Like...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I, I love that we have managed to, uh, turn, like at the beginning of the film, again, I haven't seen it, so I don't know, but at the beginning of the film sure looks like she may have some issues of her own that we need to work through, and she's able to work through them by killing a bunch of other people. Like, there is so much about this that... That's how you
1: work through issues, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that totally works. That's what my therapist told me all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, just just go kill those people. I mean, that's
1: certainly why I kill people. Wait, shit. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, It is... um, It's also produced and distributed by uh, CineState, which um, in in this way, they are also connected with the Daily Caller. And I don't know if you're super up on it, um, but the Daily Caller is a very right wing periodical. So there's just a convergence of a lot of things and people and stuff that I don't like. So your news update this week is... uh, Go see it if you want to, but I'm not. And uh, this
1: take your, like- your money for when they make a movie of Clown in the Cornfield. Yeah, there you go. It tackles uh, a lot of the same issues, but way better, I guarantee you.
0: <laughs> yep. And and uh, um, Caesar is uh, way more deserving of your money. So go buy a copy of uh, Clown in the Cornfield for sure. For sure. Uh, some, somebody said, uh, just need. Uh, Clint, I, I think it means Eastwood to play the dad. And yes, right? Like
1: right? Yeah. in
0: that kind of growly accent, you know? I, mean,
1: like, I think the only reason he's not is because he's too old. Like,
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
1: Exactly. I mean, that guy was basically just bargain basement Clint Eastwood, whoever he was. I'm sure he's a fine actor, but like the look he had and everything in the yeah. in the trailer was like, yeah.
0: Yeah, you can hear the growl and the whole kitten caboodle. Yeah, yeah, that's totally true. Well, um, quickly, we'll move to Dark Corners of the Web, where um, the Dark Corner of the Web that I want to shout out, free content, uh, genre content, uh, would be the No Sleep podcast from this last uh, episode that they released. It's their Christmas edition, and they have a brilliant story called Raw Material, which is all about how Santa makes his toys and it's fucking great and kind of like it fits the uh like it, it fits like where we're at you know like the the christmas mood perfectly and it's a ton of fun uh i made my my oldest listen to it and he dug it for whatever it's worth but uh you know it, it's well worth your time you can find it it's the no sleep podcast just i've been no sleep and it'll be uh, the current episode so all right. I think right. It, uh, it is time we tackle our essential question today. How does David Cronenberg's Shivers address issues of gender and sexuality? Let's bring in Jeff Brown. Jeff, can you hear us?
3: Yeah, I can hear you. Can you guys hear me?
0: Well, yep. We can. We can. Jeff Brown is a rising uh, director to keep an eye on. His debut feature, The Beach House, garnered heaps of praise with Brian Tolerico of RogerEber.com calling it perfectly suited for this moment in time. I also gave it five stars. Shudder picked it up uh, as one of its own original content. The Beach House is a spot spot on mix of body trauma, Lovecraftian horror. Jeff picked Shivers to discuss tonight. And after watching it, I think I could see why. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, welcome to the Horror Podcast. We are so stoked to have you here.
3: Thanks for having me. Hi, guys.
2: Hey, hey. All
0: right. I have. uh, We'll take a look real quick at uh, the trailer here, everybody. And then uh, we'll come back and start our conversation.
2: If you think you're not afraid of the dark. If you think you have a strong stomach. If you feel nothing can shock you if you say you don't scare easily if you believe you've seen everything then prepare yourself for a motion picture that takes you beyond fear beyond your wildest nightmares and brings you face to face with terror beyond the power of priest or science to exercise What are they? Raging demons from another world? Bloodthirsty creatures that must be killed? Or incarnations of absolute evil? They possess men, women, and children, and drive them to acts of unbelievable horror. No one is safe from them. No power on earth can stop them. The only escape is death if this picture doesn't make you scream and squirm you'd better see a psychiatrist quick
1: oh Oh, I love it I miss trailers like that
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) those are great man great kind of classic yeah so uh Jeff this is your show tonight. You pick Shivers. Talk to me, uh, maybe a, a little bit about why you pick Shivers, and maybe whatever connection it has uh, to your movie, The Beach House.
3: Uh, I, I love David Cronenberg, and I think Shivers is like kind of a spiritual uh, link to our film. Um, I think primarily, I was like, I think primarily because of kind of production aspect of it he shot it in like 15 days it's a very contained movie it all takes place in one building Uh, and so I I really responded to that and and I really I have kind of a weird relationship with it I it was a movie when I grew up I couldn't find it was kind of hard to find uh 90s and then when I moved to New York they had all the video stores had all these films and that was one of the first films that I I think I rented and it really I wasn't crazy about it. I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. And then uh, the second or third time I saw it, I really, I I loved it. And then I saw it on on the big screen. I, I, uh, you know, a repertory screening of it and and there's the humor of it. It's just so imaginative and it, it, it does a lot of things. And I watched it again this week and I, I really, it really is like a loaded weapon. There's just so much to it. It like, you know, it exists like on a metaphoric level, like, you know, just just from the get go, there's just so much to unpack. I mean, it's very offensive. Um, <laughs> and, you, know, you know, some of those seventies are really rough, and and I, I think it, def- it manages to be completely offensive and gross and at the same time. It's it's not. I was I wasn't like some of them are really they're really tough to watch anymore these days. And I thought that Cronenberg kind of diffuses it in a weird way by having it. It's so science oriented. Um, but also the approach to science was something else that we tried to do in the beach house. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, beach house has a lot of science in it. I, I think, you know, I don't yeah, know, but, uh, sure. you know, so it's all these things are kind of playing around and, and I just really, I love, uh, Cronenberg as a filmmaker and is a, you know, I, I love all of his films and, and, uh, it's just a big influence on me in general.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I think maybe we see a little bit of that science cause we get, uh, in the beach house, we get this big kind of exposition dump of the sciency stuff right uh over dinner and uh that's kind of interesting and the same thing kind of happens cuz we get these cutaway scenes to the doctors in shivers mm-hmm. that are you know kind of kind of They're giving us having, that exposition
1: their lunch. yeah yeah <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> yeah. Dis- <laughs> yeah discussing the weird uncircumcised uh worm that happens to <laughs> you know go in and out yeah so we've got a comment from one of the listeners here. Uh, says Shiffers is the tingler meets the original Wicker Man meets mayhem. I'm, I'm, okay, sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I I definitely see the tingler, right? Like, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. same, same kind of ooey gooey monster that's floating around. Um, maybe it's uh, like workplace horror. I think that I think they're referencing um.
1: Yeah, I, was okay. gonna say, I, mean, I'm, I was glad that he mentioned, like, I love, the thing that, the thing I loved most about Shivers, because I watched it twice in fairly close proximity, <laughs> because I had just watched it for the first time like three months ago before we did this episode. Um, but, like, I love, I love the the setting of it in the, the like, in specifically the apartment complex, but, like, the really high, high-end, upscale apartment complex, like, the very, you know... Hoity-toity. You and, like, you get the, you get the, the voiceover over the credits at the beginning about how like you can leave the problems of all those poor people behind when you come live in our nice apartment complex. Like, yeah. Um, and I, I love that setting and it actually reminds me a little bit of, um, demons too, uh, which was a later movie, but which is in an apartment complex. And it does a similar thing where it like dovetails all the different people in the apartment complex, which is cool. And I really like, I really dig that approach rather than having the kind of central one through line.
3: Yeah. I love the um, uh, the setting too. It's very much like, um, you know, Cronenberg did Crash and, and Ballard had those three kind of urban novels at that time. And I, I thought it was very, uh, I wasn't crazy about the high rise uh, that Ben, I like Ben Wheatley as a director, but I wasn't, I don't know why I wasn't crazy about his adaptation, but I always felt that Shivers has a lot similar, you know, to, to Ballard's, even the look of it. I thought when you read kind of those those books, even Crash, I think is very seventies feeling and Cronenberg's adaptation is is not really how i pictured the 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 book which is fine whatever you know but i, I thought that was a that was a a, mm-hmm. a big one when i'm watching it this time again especially i kind of wish that you know that was like high rise like you know that the, right, the yeah. setting and the way he shot shivers you know i kind of was like oh i wish but i mean they're very similar you know it's society breaks down within the the super modern building you know that's <laughs> so cool yeah, like there's a whole
0: sub-genre of stuff of like, you know, rich people get away from uh, all these poor people in this beautiful towering skyscraper that suddenly uh, isn't as beautiful or wonderful, right? It it, re- it reminds me of the first film that we did for this season, uh, which was Gremlins 2, right? We have the same yep. kind of tower and, and yep. you know, maybe even some of those same class issues. But yeah, yeah. yeah. so... Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk specifically about the question today, which is the sexual politics of this film. Because <laughs> uh, there's a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like everyone's like, yeah, Tyler, you you go. You start. Um, well, yeah, I don't know.
3: He, I mean, it starts off, you know, it, he's – he's provocative. So the first scene, you know, of the, of the scientist and the young girl is very, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's upsetting, but at the same time, it's like, he's, def, he diffuses it later when he's like, you know, it's not exactly how it looked, but yeah, right. it's still like watching it. You're like, and, and, you know, I think there's a lot of archetypes, you know, it's like all the men wear suits, the, the main woman uh, she's, you know, she cooks and, and she's very subservient to her husband. And I think he's, you know, I think that's all intentional. I think I think Cronenberg, you know, he's very very smart like that. But yeah, you know, it's it is the '70s. It doesn't age too well.
1: <laughs> yeah. right. well I mean, like I mean, we, we mentioned something about it on on you know online somewhere. It's just like you're not you're not going to make a movie about rape zombies and make it not be kind of politically incorrect. Like no matter when you make it, like that's yeah. that's not that's not a <laughs> that you doesn't know,
0: lend itself to. That's, that's, that's yeah. not
1: an unproblematic thing to make a movie about. Like, that's that's going to be rough no matter what you do. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, well, so, yeah. so when we were gathering research and kind of discussing how we wanted to take this episode, uh, I put the question out to Slack because, honestly speaking, I hadn't I hadn't seen this movie before. I've seen a lot of Cronenberg, hadn't seen this one, so it was a complete. Mm-hmm. You know, new watch for me. I watched it, and then immediately to the company slack, I was like, "Huh, this is something." <laughs> and it is amazing to this day how polarizing this film is because we you know we have a lot of really bright, uh, great voices, you know that that write for us. And they were like, you know, it, it is less problematic than you think if you read the film as a critique of some of those things as opposed to embodying that, you know? And is that kind of how you approach this film, Jeff?
3: Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I I think that that was something you know because in watching it under the guise of that, I think he just he really did, I I think that there's an objective and you know I the, the word objective I have it's a, a weird word but he is like there's like a sign and a a Jeff an objective approach to the demon or the creature or whatever and and it absorbs everybody you know it it doesn't judge it doesn't. It just, you know, it takes it from kind of like a scientific uh, aspect, you know, and I think that's kind of how he pursued it. And I, I don't think I, I read somewhere that he kind of said he sympathized with the infected as a, you know, it's like he doesn't necessarily view them as evil in a weird way. I mean, they are zombie like, or I, it was interesting. I was thinking about him as like they're both vampires and zombies, and there's an element of Frankenstein to it. He really like he covers all of these bases and kind of and the body snatchers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, the, the, I think the vampirism is kind of the sexuality of it, you know, cause vampires are sexy, but at the same time, I, I guess there are vampire apocalypses and something, I don't know, but yeah, it's like it's like the, zombies have apocalypses. That's more, they're a very metaphoric and in asexual, you know, zombies are not sexy. I, I'm not, I can't think of, I, I don't know a lot of zombie movies where, I mean, anything, you know. Anything goes these days, so, Um, but yeah, I I mean, that's, that's what I was kind of thinking about, you know, and, but the the relationship between the central wife and her husband who is cheating on her with a 19 year old in the building, that's kind of the funny thing is that everyone gets it by sleeping with the same uh, girl, you know, that's how it spreads. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think also as an AIDS metaphor, you know, before AIDS, I think that that was a very uh, strong, that he kind of hit on some sort of like, you know, deadly venereal diseases, which is kind mm-hmm. of something else. That's not, I can't think of anything else that, that does that, which, which is, you know, it just shows how, how smart Cronenberg is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I
1: think you're absolutely right about like the movie in a way that most other movies that are in it's even vague subgenre do not do it. Sympathizing with the people who are infected or, you know, the, the monsters as it were, like, they're they're not i mean honestly the people who aren't infected seem as bad or worse than them like yeah like the the guys who start the problem like you said the thing they were doing to begin with is as bad or worse than anything they do once they're infected yeah right like they, they were already you know keeping this girl who they started when she was like 12 i think it said
3: Yeah, you know, I mean that's
1: that's horrible. Like they were already monsters before they ever became infected, and like the movie does, like especially that ending shot of them all like disseminating out into the town. Like that doesn't feel as apocalyptic as it would in the hands of someone else. It feels almost like you know this isn't this isn't as bad as it necessarily seems. Like these people are just people too. Yeah, like (laughs) in a way, you know
0: the entire film i think feels very intimate which is part of i think maybe that uh the discomfort that i felt right like it feels very very intimate and even when they go like disseminate out into the public there is still something very intimate about that because like they don't look dead necessarily and right. like you know they're just this thing uh right. before we get too far removed from it though my takeaway here is that director Jeff Brown's next film is going to be about sexy zombies. So. <laughs> we,
3: we can only hope.
1: <laughs> I mean, it would probably sell really well, right? right, it seems right. Like it would sell. I think that would sell. Kids
3: love yeah. zombies.
0: <laughs> right, why not? Why not? Yeah, I, I do think... Um, so there are a lot of complexities. I First off, I love the idea that uh, it, it is almost... Predicting uh, the, the the AIDS crisis, right, almost a decade before it happens. But the, the, I love all of that. The the really big part that I had some discomfort with, some issues with, was how it portrays uh, homosexuality, but also in terms of you know some other stuff that we see on stage. And I'm not sure if. Cronenberg is is intending to do all of that or is, if that is just a representation of the times or what you know I don't I, I'm totally open for discussion here
1: so like when I was re-watching it like aside from Bar- Barbara Steele right as like the predatory lesbian aside from that <laughs> like um which kind of was her Gimmick at that point, right? She'd already been in the Carmilla movies by this point, so she was kind of known for. Was were they? Were they after this?
3: No, she wasn't in those. So the she, not the 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 Hammer ones. The Hammer
1: ones. Wasn't she in one of them? Ah, I, I thought she was,
3: but she's. I mean, she's an anyway, iconic. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, whatever. Um, anyway, <laughs> point point is. Um, aside from her, though, like. There was less of it than i was thinking there had been when i rewatched it like less of the the homosexuality stuff being problematic because kind of everyone's problematic right like it's not like the straight yeah. people get off easy in this they're terrible people yeah
0: <laughs> that's very true
1: yeah. uh, and so kind of everyone's just a weird monster
3: yeah they they really hinted a lot of things. I mean, they hinted incest and pedophilia, you know, a lot of things I was reminded of, uh, some other seventies movies. Like I think there's that one shot I thought of that, that, that movie Sallow, which is, you know, Mm that's another extremely provocative, uh, troubling movie. And I thought of the exorcist for some reason, where where I was kind of thinking about, you know, kind of like fallout from the sixties. I feel like a lot of these early seventies movies are kind of dealing with a lot of kind of breaking taboos from the sixties and kind of, Cronenberg is playing with, like, you know, the fears of of the counterculture and whatnot. It's like, the, the, you know, these wants and orgies happening, you know, everywhere is kind of what the straight world is afraid of. I, I wasn't, I didn't think that the portrayal of homosexuality was, so, that didn't set me off as bad. I mean, I've been watching a lot of Jollos lately, and those are really <laughs> bad right. with that. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. So this is like, I was like, even as offensive and gross as it is, I was like, that's still kind of tame in that, you know, it's like they're not slapping the wives around, which is something that all of the Italian, it's like, even ones that are like, they start good. And then it's like, Oh, now he's got to hit his wife. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but I, there are, I mean, he covers a lot of ground in, in, in 90 minutes. So it's, yeah. Uh, it's something.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, And a lot of that is intentional, and I appreciate that. I think – so I've got uh, an interview pulled up here, isolated a quote from it, from uh, thebomb.com. That's an actual website. Uh, And they have done some pretty interesting stuff. But uh, I'll have the link here if you want to read the whole interview. But they have Cronenberg here, and he says about his film – but because of our necessity to impose our own structure of perception on things, we look on ourselves as being stable. But in fact, when I look at a person, I see the maelstrom of organic, chemical, and electron chaos, volatility, instability, shimmering, and the ability to change, transform, and transmute. And he's specifically talking about this film. Uh, I wondered, you know, if, if both of you want to talk for a moment about... The transmutability about sexuality, about human beings, and, and how this movie kind
3: of captures that. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think that that kind of does go back to kind of a scientific, uh, you know, looking through things through a scientific, almost objective eye, you know, I think that I think the scientific process in general is is trying to be set like objective measurements or, or, or uh, criteria for reality. And I think that hearing that, uh, you know, I think that that sound you know if he's if he's seeing bodies as messes of of atoms and and viruses and you know things interacting on a microscopic level i mean i think that that is kind of a scientific approach to uh to horror which is you know interesting because usually you know the science the scientist is a character but he's not the filmmaker which is you know maybe maybe one of Cronenberg's you know stronger additions to genre in general is is this kind of detached eye uh, and I think his filmmaking gets more detached as his films go along. I think this is necessity is the mother of invention a bit on this, on the filmmaking on this one, but you know, uh, the dead zone I think is pretty stylish and kind of, I, I think he's, he seems kind of like a cold filmmaker, but I I think that the films don't aren't cold to me. They're not, you know, I don't, that's such a weird, I don't like that criticism of of Kubrick either. It's like where they say, Oh, he's such a cold filmmaker. I don't, I don't see them as cold, but you know, th- there is a detachment. Which can be read as being cold, but you know, <laughs> um, uh,
1: sure. I, I, having I've only seen, I mean, I've seen most of David Cronenberg's films, but not all of them. But like to me, he's always seemed like someone who saw people as just what it says there. Like they're they're not stable; they're not one fixed thing; they change constantly, and so his characters are almost never one fixed thing they're not they don't have one clean arc like a character would in something else they're a mess of competing impulses right and so and that's what is interesting to him is the change and the transmutation, transmutation and the the you know whatever and a lot of times it takes physical form yeah right it, it, oh he, yeah he physically manifests it but it's it's also psychological so like. I, I I think that, and I don't know his opinions on sexuality, but, like, as a filmmaker, he seems like someone who would not be interested in whether people were straight or gay or whatever. He would see that as mutable. Yeah. Right? That it could change in different circumstances.
0: Sure. And... Um, and- like uh, the 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 parasite, right, or right. the symbiote, right? I think is uh, kind of the 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 thing that you're you're given to go off of. Um, makes all of that even more fluid, right? That fluidity exists there already. I think this this worm or, or phallus or whatever we want to call it only makes that worse, right? Right, yeah. worse is a, a wrong term, but makes that more apparent.
3: More yeah, extreme. extreme yeah and, and isn't that what the 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 scientist is kind of his like goal is to unleash just you know this sort of multi-sexual chaos you know right. and and that, that's another thing that's kind of i i think that's are it's really interesting i mean it's just i think it's really good point that again is way ahead of its time in terms of how gender fluidity is is you know the the steps made with that in terms of of media and and what we see in terms of, you know, trans actors and trans stories, which were, you know, I mean, there was the Fassbender film was that in a year of 13 moons, which was like about, uh, a, a, I think a, a transsexual in the seventies, which was, I can't, I don't even know what audiences must have thought of that. But, you know, and I think that the, that just shows again, how, how Cronenberg is just really, just really, really smart, you know. Just, just really thinking about things and 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 experimenting, and and that's what the the, the chaos and the pool. I love the pool scene at the end. Yeah, great. Yeah. Oh, it's haunting. It's beautiful. It's it's you know, it's weird. It's just great. And the I love the the casting in the movie. I think is is dynamite. And and it just that's that future of of you know, there's no male, there's no female, there's no there's no right, no wrong, there's no you know, it's all absorbed in this one organic mass. You know, and, and maybe there is some good to, to to viewing humanity as an organic mass sometimes. I don't know. Or not. Sure. Nah. Like, uh, if, if,
0: at, at its core, the movie, like, doesn't just discuss. I think it advocates that oftentimes we are, uh, the, we, we don't have a morality, that we are our functions of our base senses, our base desires, our, you know, the, yeah. these... Fundamental organic impulses. Yeah. And I
1: think like if if the movie has a moral, which I'm not positive it does, like it, it may just be like a thought experiment more than more than a morality play, but like to the extent that it has one, I feel like it is that we we deny that about ourselves. That we we deny how governed we are by those baser impulses. And in denying that we lose track of our ability to control them right like, okay because the people like i said the people who are at the crux of this whole transformation were already monsters before the monster ever got to them yeah right and but they didn't believe they were right they all yeah. believed they were these very rational in control people but they weren't every one of them we talked to every one of them we see they were these you know, they, they were respectable people and they weren't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah they did bad things before the worm ever got in.
1: Right. Them. And and it was that, that disconnect that let this happen, right. That made this happen.
0: I, I think that, <laughs> I think that's super fair. Yeah. Uh, so? so one of the things uh, <laughs> <laughs> before we entirely run out of time um, that I wrote down and, and maybe it'll be a, quick conversation maybe it won't but boy i think i have seen now everything cronenberg has done i think uh outside of like the early pornography stuff and you know whatever uh, the slack sl- my 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 signal horizon slack was like you don't know anything about david cronenberg and they were all 100 right right so there, there's probably a lot that i haven't seen but he sure likes orifices right he sure likes openings of human bodies and i i thought that from a stylistic perspective bared a mention in the conversation because I haven't seen anything like it. And, and what we were talking about before uh, you were on, um, Jeff, was Brandon Cronenberg's uh, Possessor, which also does the same thing with holes in the body. And I think that is fascinating and interesting. And I don't know what he's trying to say, but he's trying to say something.
3: Yeah. I, You know, I don't. I don't know if Cronenberg I don't know if he does know either. I think I think that he is a filmmaker that is kind of guided by instinct, which is I think a lot of uh David Lynch and, you know, to, uh, I think a lot of of these filmmakers that make, you know, that have been doing it for decades. I don't I think if you ask them, can you explain what you're trying to say? I think they would I think similarly to what Orn was saying about he I don't think he would say that. Oh, there's a moral I don't know if there's a moral to that. And I'm sure Brandon Cronenberg is like sick of hearing him be compared to his father. but <laughs> his, his last name is Cronenberg. He accepted, you know, it's going to happen, but yeah, possessor is, uh, is something I, I was, I, 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 missed your earlier conversation about it, but did you guys talk about deep fakes and possessor at all with? Oh no, that's great though. Talk I, about it. I thought that was really, I didn't think about it till like the next day where I was, you know, cause I, I kind of wrestled with the movie. I, I, I loved uh, Christopher Abbott's performance, who I think he's a really kind of underrated actor. He makes, he chooses a lot of risky movies. And I thought this, he really showed off And the, and I love, I say that in the best possible way. It was just such a meaty role. And, um, but he's, it's a deep fake. He, the, when they are inhabiting other bodies, they are doing a physical, a literal deep fake. And I, I think that that was a very kind of subtle, smart uh, approach to, uh, persona into into the the, again back to you know kind of the the nature of flux and and transmutation or whatever ability uh with personality and and i think that he's kind of you know he's not picking up where his father left off but he's definitely exploring some uh you know similar things i mean he grew up with his father so I think, you know, he's going to, no matter what, he's going to hear it around the dinner table at some point. I guess, what is that Christmas like? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're Jewish, though. Oh, yeah. you may, what's that Hanukkah like? <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, I, I think uh, so. To give our audience and uh, future audience a, a sense of where we're at, Possessor really is about a film uh, of a woman whose sole job it is. To inhabit another human being to uh, commit assassinations, essentially, and uh, how she reconciles her own life with that. Okay. So I love the idea that it's like deep fakes are real right like it is the yeah. next evolution of that yeah it,
3: but back to orifices
0: <laughs> <laughs> i never th- i get never thought you would say that <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah well um let me see the next film no um that <laughs> yeah i don't know what that is. i mean maybe it's it's another thing where it's a a, a natural you know in in science every creature has an orifice and so whether or not it's a talking sphincter in Naked Lunch or in in Videodrome, is stomach that takes you know I, you know maybe it's just something where it's another thing where it's like this is just what what you know people have and and in if we're mutating people into the next stages of evolution or into you know maybe sidesteps of of evolution. The orifices are going to change too. Uh, you know, I mean, bullet holes are also orifices, and yep. even movies like you know, Eastern Promises or History of Violence, where he gets away from the science fiction aspect, they're still very bloody movies. And so mm-hmm. it's it maybe um, there's always something in his films about a uh, uh, a rift or uh, the straight world being invaded by by a different world that's either more violent or more sexual or, you know, and then the the main character is kind of coming face to face with this new reality. Uh, You know, it's very explicit in, you know, Videodrome or, or, but in something like Eastern Promises, uh, Naomi Watts is, is the straight world. And then she comes into the, into contact with the the mafia, with the Russian mafia. And so maybe the orifice is, is, is a visual metaphor for that rift. It's a, you know, if it's a bullet hole or, I don't know. I'm just kind of talking. No, but, I, like it. I like it. could it. be. I don't know. You know, it, it, that makes some sense, but there is definitely a fixation with it. You know, yeah,
1: he, so his movies are very. You know, they're very preoccupied. A lot of them with mutation, right, or change, or like physical change. But we're used to seeing physical change in movies, right? We see it a lot. We see and it's cool a lot of the time, but orifices are intimate, right? I mean, one way or the other, whatever orifice it is, like even, you know, even if it's not something sexual, like your nose or your ear or something, right? You stick something in someone's ear, that's intimate. That's not something you let strangers do or the the strangers do on the regular, right? People don't walk up on the street and do that. Or if they do,
0: it feels very fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, like, if you want people to feel that change and really feel it, you make it around an orifice, right? Because that's the intimate ones. That's what we.
3: Feel with. yeah, that's got the most
0: right nerve,
1: right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: no, no. I, so, so here's my pet theory, all right? Uh, Cronenberg seems to be obsessed with permutations, right? Things that are both things that are other and they're not of either thing, they are of both things, right? We get the fly, we get you know, whatever uh, examples you can come up with, and I think an orifice represents both. Right. It is neither in nor out. It is both things. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that way, no better way to illustrate this, this principle of, of liminal space, right. Or whatever we want to call it, than the actual orifice, which somehow represents coming and going maybe in this movie, literally, I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. uh, But it, it was readily apparent from that first scene where, uh, you know, he, he cuts that girl up, right? And which I think is filmed so interestingly because it for a film that is incredibly bloody and incredibly gruesome, you see some blood and you see some stuff, but you you see it all from the side. So it's like right. kind of hidden, you know? Yeah. And I, I I just found that really, really interesting. It's such an,
1: it's an interesting decision for an opening scene anyway, because like, yeah, like we already talked about, like it sets it up to appear to be something other than what it is. Like we, we initially see it as something other than what's happening. Like we yeah. see it as him attacking her. We don't yeah. know why. Yeah. We, right. We the right. aggressor and not that, you know, she's infected.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And then we, then, yeah. Then if you're paying attention, it comes back later that, yeah, that's what that was really happening. But it, it, you know, it's just very, you know, a private, you got to start it off, get the kids in with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Like but, I'm in,
0: I'm in for yeah. this one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if, if you want a really great uh, discussion of kind of the metaphysical aspects, uh, especially of what Jeff was talking about, about the intersection of vampires and zombies, there's a great paper called Sexual Devouring, the Desiring Production of the Subversive Undead in David Cronenberg's Shivers by Raddock. Kralovov, uh, totally screwed that guy's name up, but I'll have a link in the show notes. It's from the Journal of Anglophone Studies, and I found it. I don't know, super interesting. So that's your that's your further reading on that. Now, Jeff, we have a tradition here on the horror podcast. You can absolutely say no, but we love our guests. Uh, we scour Letterbox for the lowest possible review of the movie that we've seen. So, this is a half-star review. I'm going to drop it oh. in our private chat here. We would love for you to read our anonymous half-star review uh indicting how awful this movie is. If you don't, you know, if you're working with David Cronenberg in the future and you don't feel comfortable doing that, that's totally fine and I'll read it as normal. It is entirely up to you.
3: I, I have to read the negative review of Shivers Out Loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also not a negative review of, of The Beach House. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, I'll, I'll read it. Otherwise, as far as how he uses some women in the film, it's pretty dated to put it nicely. Oh, I couldn't let your dinner burn, teehee. Bro, you just almost got <laughs> raped and I just couldn't care less of what happened to the main guy. Had to laugh at, I'm hungry, hungry for love. Horny on the timeline, and for what? what? Was horny on the timeline a quote in the movie? It was not. that would have been amazing. Yeah, <laughs> for love is. Okay. <laughs> love is.
0: But, but also, uh, we've talked about how timely this, this film was, right? Like if somebody <laughs> pops up and is like, dude, he's horny on the timeline, we'd be like, what the fuck?
1: Okay, I, yeah. I like that this person is upset with how the movie treats women and then calls her bro. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. Also, um, I I did find that part a little odd, right? Like, like, this terrible thing almost happened, but your dinner might burn. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, like, she pretty clearly just wanted to follow him. Yeah. And that was her excuse. Like, she constantly was following him when he told her not to. Yeah. Which, he was real patronizing, but... Whatever, you know, it was the 70s, I guess.
3: And that, well, she goes and puts in her contacts before they have sex. That part oh, that was, the, that was the other one. Get, one. Yeah.
1: What the hell, right? Like, why do you go back? I don't, yeah. That, yeah. that
0: was weird. Yeah, I thought that was like an excuse. I'm like, right? that's a like, that shitty just like,
1: excuse to get away,
0: but, you know, whatever. Safe
1: excuse because
2: And, and were, then she puts them in. Then she puts right.
1: them in, exactly.
3: That's the that's the part where you're like, what?
1: Also, you're, yeah. like, you're like crying and shaking. You cannot put your
3: contacts in while you're doing that. Yeah. Well, and they okay. look like old school hard contacts. Yes. which are yeah, Really, yeah. really brutal.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, my my dad is an eye doctor, so I grew up with that stuff. And I'm like, why would you put in like gas permeable hard contacts before sex? Those hurt and do not feel comfortable. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Let me put this annoying thing in my body before I put another annoying thing in my body. I don't <laughs> that's
3: another. But that's another orifice. She's that's putting something. True. In a, I mean, that's an opening. You know. I, I think like that, it. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Look
0: at that. That's that's what we do on the horror Pod class. Some of this advanced uh, film criticism. There. <laughs> uh, so, uh, anything we want to add to tonight's discussion of uh, shivers?
3: No. for yeah. just in general.
0: In general, <laughs> did we miss anything?
3: Ah, uh, no. I, th- I think we. It, I mean, I think it's a good. Indication for people if they're curious about that movie, especially if, if you like Cronenberg and you like those types of films, I think it's, I, I think it's a great one. I think it's one of the best like low budget horror films ever made. It just totally, it pulls off, it pulls it all off. It, it just, it's uh, that you know, it works. It totally works. Uh,
0: yeah. It looks <laughs> like uh, we got a new comment. The opening scene reminded me of the
3: prelude of Peter Straub's ghost story. The, yeah. the book or the movie? Oh, I don't know. I don't I know. know. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. I wasn't yeah. crazy about the movie. It's been forever. I, yeah. yeah.
0: I don't know if I'm that familiar with it to yeah. to really say one way or another. We'll but, their work but, work for it for yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Works for me. Yeah. Uh all right, Jeff. Uh now's the time. Do you have any future projects that you would like to plug? Anything that you would like to discuss? I've already preached all of uh that I can about the beach house. It is fantastic and one of my favorite uh movies that i've seen lately so
3: thank you yeah i I think beach house would make a good double feature with shivers i think it would it would bring out some themes i think that's a good good way to go uh i think another totally off topic thing but a good double feature is basic instinct and videodrome if you want more cronenberg the two films are similar. It's it's a weird one that I I don't think I think I might be alone in that feeling, but they're very similar films. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm working. I have a bunch of projects going. Hopefully, we'll you know once COVID calms down, films are very slow right now because of of that. But I, I we have something in the works, so hopefully, uh, you'll see another movie from me in in the next. 2022 maybe that sounds good we're trying we're yeah. we're trying hard it's it's it but it yeah. feels like something's coming together so i'm i'm really excited about it uh, awesome. it's it it will be genre of some of some sort but that's all i'll say
0: <laughs> love it can they yeah. uh if they want more of your stuff on the regular do you have like a twitter account do
3: you do oh, instagram none of that I, you you I, away. I i did away with the social media uh, about a year ago uh it was you know this party? I, it, yeah. good call <laughs> yeah it's it's uh, you know it, it it was a little tough it was like quitting cigarettes but uh i've especially with the i kind of did it around the time the pandemic hit when i was okay. kind of which i think was kind of weird because i think typically you would think oh now it's time to really get into social media because you connect to people that you can't see but I, it was like the time for me to kind of get away from it but uh You're yeah fine. no i'm <laughs> i'm not out there at all <laughs>
0: That's all right. Somebody uh who oh it looks like uh we got you got some fans here. So Oh uh, wow. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And thank uh, you. They're just like us. Um <laughs> Orin, where can they find more of your stuff? Uh
1: I unfortunately am still on social media. So you can find <laughs> me at uh Orin Gray on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Letterboxd, et cetera. So
3: I love it. Very good, very good. Oh well. And I am- I'm familiar with the author that you guys are having on next week that uh, I read, I read gateways to abomination. Oh, it's a that's very,
2: great.
3: very disturbing, but very, you know, very interesting horror novel. I would, I would recommend it to everybody to pick up that book. It was really, I like, and I think Oren John Langan was a guest or, or he did something mm-hmm. also a big fan of his writing, uh, yeah. would recommend those very highly to people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. I'm sure they will be uh, stoked to hear that uh, yeah. they have Maybe you'll get to make one of those uh, films or something at some point. Yeah, a
1: yeah, oh Matt Bartlett film would be so weird.
2: Oh,
0: dude! <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be something. That'd be I mean, be something. Yeah, I'd, I'd be the, I'd be the first guy in line. You yeah, know like uh, hopefully not the last but I'd definitely be
3: the first <laughs> yeah I, 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 I wish there were more people that like I can't wait to see that Matthew Bartlett adaptation but I think I think you got three here and that's yeah. three we can all go see it together yeah
0: <laughs> I love that I, I'm gonna hold you to that so okay. we'll, we'll, uh, we'll come and do another episode <laughs> well uh, you can follow more of my stuff at Ty unsel on Twitter I also run the day to day at Signal Horizon or if you wanted to take a random debate class at Park Hill High School uh, I would see you in my classroom. But I wanted to say one last time, uh, Jeff Brown, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, We interviewed a few weeks back and it was great. And uh, I knew that you could kind of add that academic angle that uh, we we strive for. We don't always get there, but we we try real hard. So thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. It was great. Very good. Very good. Well, uh, next week we we have already uh, spoiled the news, but next week we have uh, the wonderful, very talented Matthew Bartlett on to talk about a session nine, which is a movie. Yeah. great yeah. movie. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it maybe in two decades, so yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. dying to kind of jump back in and uh, yeah, yeah to, to to see if I like it as much as I did last time. So, <laughs> all right, very good. All right. Well, uh, until we uh, see you all again, class dismissed.